This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. Not after a game, but after the, what was it, like five hours of the NBA draft, the first virtual NBA draft that I've seen in my lifetime. I'm not sure what they were doing prior to my birth, but you know, this, this was definitely different than what I've seen in a long time. And to talk about how the Raptors maneuvered through this draft and maybe some other teams who impressed Robel, you can find him at Robeltussin on Twitter, which is a great handle. And you can find his YouTube channel, which he covered a lot of the prospects that went high in this draft. Some that fell as well. Sub me and coach on YouTube great channel you can find a lot of stuff on there and they'll have a lot of stuff going forward but bell how you doing man i'm good i'm happy to be here uh it was a long draft night uh a lot of disappointments a lot of excitement and we, we gotta talk about it so i'm here okay so initially your favorite pick of the draft like they got a guy i suspect it might be maxi to philadelphia but which team got a guy and you're like, damn, they really, they almost win the draft just for that pick and the value they got at that selection. Yeah, I mean, in my video of Tyrese Maxey, I just said, a contender is going to get him in the 20s and everyone's going to look at it like, wow, how did he go so low? And it's Philly this year. So Philly got their guy. He's um, a great finisher at the rim, even though he's 6'2". Uh, amazing floater. So he has an in-between game. People, the reason he fell so low is because they looked at him as a 6'2 guy who shot 29% from three. But if they did their research beforehand and saw his EYB on high school numbers, you just realized that he was actually above a 35% shooter. So the shot was very, very easy to pro- project. I wouldn't be uh, surprised if he becomes a good spot-up shooter right away, year one. And just his, his defense is good as well. Um, really like uh, active on that and team defense and on-ball defense and just his character and what he brings to the table for a team. He's automatically like a fan favorite, uh, a, a great locker room guy. You can just tell like watching an interview, it's hard for it's hard for anyone not to like Maxi after you watch an interview. You know, you just automatically think, okay, this is my favorite player. And that's what everyone says. It's just he just a great personality. He would love rooting uh, for other players before himself. And yeah, just Philly needs that. So I guess we'll discuss a couple of hypotheticals first. And so when I was listening to your podcast 
with Blake over on The Athletic where he had you on. I believe I remember you saying that towards the end of the, like the back end of the first round, Zeke was maybe your favorite big, and I believe Xavier was second on there. Were you surprised Zeke went, I guess, a little bit earlier than he might have been mocked? And do you think the Raptors made a mistake kind of letting Xavier Tillman drop out of their pick? Or do you think that he should have been picked up there? What would you have liked to see for that uh, that pick? Um, I'm not surprised at all. I go back and forth with Najee and Tillman all the time. So it's like, <laughs> I wish I didn't take a stance on that podcast, but it's whatever. I mean, Najee, I just expect. Like, it, it's a, you know, him at 22, I think he went to 22. Um, you know, the shooting, probably team saw that and it's like, okay, the shooting's really real and his mobility and this is just his motor and this is just a big that we need and he'd just be a good backup, maybe a starting big. And I'm not mad at all that he got, like, drafted uh, before, you know, the Raptors pick. I'm not losing any sleep over it. Uh, but, yeah, it's just I see why a team would pick him higher than – you know, where he was projected as. Yeah, and his court mapping, I guess, is kind of what, defensively, I would say, his court mapping is where some people think he might be falling a little short. But I think a lot of teams perceive themselves to be able to teach that or kind of teach their scheme and how, you know, defenders are supposed to move within it. Tillman I was 35th to 36th to the Memphis, but the Raptors at 29. Malachi Flynn what did you think of that pick initially happy just okay on it and what do you like about Malachi so I was really hoping that Jaden McDaniels would fall to 29 I was literally so excited and he gets picked at 28 and I was just heartbroken so um it was just carrying on to that when the Raptors picked. I was just like, all right, let's see. Maybe Theo, maybe uh, Malachi, maybe Riller. Um, and it became Malachi. And I was just like, I like Malachi a lot as a prospect. I think I would have drafted him higher. Like, as soon as, you know, um, if Maxi didn't drop to Philly, I would have looked at him there. I would have drafted him at 21. Um, but yeah, as a Raptors prospect, I'm not like super high on him. I think he's a good player. Um, it's just someone that uh, doesn't really look like a high upside guy. He's, uh, I think he's a senior, but like he could be a very high end rotational uh, guard or a starter. But it's just he has to be an elite shooter to be a starter. And I just thought we should kind of move away from like the small guard thing, and we didn't because he is like six one. I believe he's probably shorter than that. I think if they're lying about his height. But he is a very good prospect. Like, he's a good pull-up shooter. Amazing in the pick and roll. He splits it all the time. A good floater. Um, good defensive player for his size, too. Um, especially on the team defense end. And, yeah, it's just someone that's I have, like, no faith, no doubt in my mind will be a good prospect. It's just I would have liked some better options, like Isaiah Joe, uh, Grant Riller, Theo Maladon, you know? It's just guys who I think have a bit more upside, but I'm like 100% confident that this guy will be a good player for our team. Yeah, and it's it's difficult, right? Because Jaden McDaniels is the ceiling pick. Like he's a guy who kind of at that point in the draft projects as having quite a high ceiling. And then you go to a guy where you're looking at floor with Malachi Flynn. And I think you said something about a senior. I think both the picks in this draft for the Raptors were 
three years and a transfer. As far as how he's fitting into the system and defensively really looking at, you know, winning his Defensive Player of the Year award for his conference, is that translating really well to the NBA in your mind? Yeah, I think it could translate, just not um, just in a different idea. I feel like his uh, defensive approach is like a Fred Van Vliet. Like he has super quick hands, um, gets into guys, you know, um, sometimes does a little bit too much and could get uh, out of uh, place. But yeah, he's, um, he's a, I think he can be a plus on the defensive end, even though he is small and he doesn't have the frame that uh, a Larry or a Van Vliet has. And that could hurt him. That's the only like reason why I don't think it's a guarantee that he'll be a plus. But the defensive playmaking as a team defender and just his on-ball effort and just, you know, um, genius, genius level um, just makes me think he probably will be a, a plus guy on that end. And offensively, if you go to watch his tape, the first thing that pops off is you're seeing pick and roll possessions. And he has really good pacing, really good judge of where the, you know, the primary is for his defender, what the back end is doing. He makes great reads in that scenario. What do you think about the Raptors maybe finally picking a guard who wants to attack in the pick and roll, whereas Fred and Lowry typically are looking to find the roll man or the short roller? What do you think about Flynn and maybe his mid-range ability kind of providing a little bit of a punch to the Raptors' second unit? Yeah, I love it. That's like why I just think, like I'm not super high on this pick, but that's the reason why I still like it and why I still like him as a player in general. Um yeah, like you said, he just has that in-between game. Like, um, he literally makes defenders look foolish every time he has a screen. Like, splits a pick-and-roll like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Like, when you watch his highlights, it's like, okay, why why can't everyone do this? And then you realize that splitting pick-and-roll is, like, one of the hardest things to do. And, yeah, he has that, um, what's it called? He has that, uh, the Smitty move as well, The like that Isaiah Thomas used to do a lot. And mm-hmm. just a pretty shifty guard. I like his pull-up jumper as well. And he he had an argument for uh, best player in college basketball, honestly. He has an argument for it. Also, uh, P.D. Webb, when I had him on the podcast, he was this isn't something he talked about, but it's something that was covered in when he was writing about Malachi Flynn. Is, you know how Carmelo Anthony, for example, is really dangerous in the triple threat because of all the different avenues that are available to him. Malachi Flynn is really dangerous with a live dribble just because of how many sets and how many different things he can do just off of like his between the legs dribble and what it offers him is like a pull up or like a burst to his right or like a snatch back to the left. And so it'll be nice to see a bit of that explosion offensively, provided that it comes that way. What do you think uh, that means? Yeah. And if you don't want to speculate on it, just we'll move on to the next thing. What do you think it means about Terrence Davis as far as minutes how that you know the third string point guard shapes up like what's your thoughts on that i think uh terrence davis should get zero minutes regardless if mark afflin or like jalen harris or anyone got drafted i think yeah that's how i would look at it yeah yeah just think he he just needs to get out of here but um if you want to talk about like guys that can really explode out of their uh you know uh, out of their steps and just as a just an all-around bucket we could talk about Jalen Harris at 59 yeah I mean go for it what do you like about him just off the jump so the same idea is why I like Riller 
could be applied to Jalen Harris. Um, there isn't as much as a separator as people would say there is. Uh, I mean, he gets he can get it from three levels. Like he just knows how to score the ball. Uh, not a great catch and shoot guy, which is um, kind of worrisome to me. But he has good. He has a good frame. He can get to the rim. Uh, pretty athletic guard. And he just, you know, he he's a very good shot maker as well. The anyone who's listening to this podcast should uh, watch um, try to find uh, Jalen Harris versus Malachi Flynn because they both went off on each other. Like, if you could try to find that game, I'm probably going to tweet it out for Raptors fans. You should follow me at Robotussin. And yeah, they literally just both went off, and you can see how tough of a score Jalen Harris is and how good of a playmaker Malachi Flynn is. But yeah, it's just. That's what he's gonna provide. He's gonna provide uh, a score, like you know, just be a scorer, and that's gonna help out with the half court offense because someone has to take the tough shots, right? Okay, so we've talked the positives then about both these guys. Let's talk about the limitations we might or that you might have seen why they're being picked at twenty nine and fifty nine. Why? Why did these guys? Why were they picked in the position that they were? Are teams missing or there's certain things that you know you can expect aren't going to translate well or aren't going to happen in their games at the next level so malachi he's like a good shooter but not like a great shooter and i think the reason why he projects as a backup guard is because of that he has to be like a really good shooter for me to see starter and that's like the swing skill just like a really tough pull-up shooter and right now he isn't that but he could develop into that um, with Jalen Harris, I think he did get um, – he should have been drafted probably around the 40s, in my opinion. Um, I mean, with Jalen Harris, like, he's a very good scorer, uh, doesn't really try on the defensive end. But I think he could – like, really, I think he could – he is underrated on that end. And not much of a playmaker either, but he, in that role, um, he's going to be an off guard for the Raptors anyway, so I don't see him um, initiating or anything. And, yeah, like – that Jalen Harris main appeals that he could score. And uh, people are always skeptical of how scoring translates, and that's why um, he fell. And then Malachi was just, he was always in that range. And people are just always skeptical of, you know, small guards. Like, you know, even Devin, Devin Dotson, we thought, you know, he was like a first-round pick maybe, and then he didn't even get drafted. So that's, you know, that should say how people feel about small guards. You got to be really good to get drafted and Malachi's plan is really good so let's talk about the Raptors obviously Fred Van Vliet and you and I are obviously in agreement that I think we both well I, I'll speak for myself not for you but I I hope that Terrence Davis doesn't have a spot on the Raptors roster before the season starts but obviously he was a good player picked up as an undrafted guy Fred Van Vliet obviously an undrafted guy who should the Raptors be looking for? Because I really like Killeen Tilly if he's healthy. Um, Nate Hinton is a really popular guy that uh, a lot of people are giving attention to. Devin Dawson, as you said. Who should the Raptors be targeting in the undrafted free agents? Um, I think Devin Dotson got just got picked up by the Bulls. And uh, Nate Hinton got picked up by the Mavericks. So this oh. guy started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is crazy, but... Um, oh, Killian Tilly just signed a deal with the Grizzlies like 16 seconds ago. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, all of our guys are going away. Um, is let me see. I would look at Mason Jones. 
Let me see. Okay. Mason Jones probably. Oh, guess what? The Grizzlies got him, of course. Draft to his favorite, um, you know, team, the Grizzlies. But yeah, uh, Mason Jones is still available. So yeah, uh, Mason Jones, 6'6", uh, very good score. Uh, and I think at the wing, we, we, we need some versatility, and he brings that. So, you know, um, pretty good pull-up shooter for his size. Uh, the way he succeeds is with, like, he's a very complicated prospect because the way he succeeds is with craft, like a lot of craft because he had, like, no burst at all. He was, like, one of the worst athletes, honestly, uh, in college, like, in, at, as far as draft prospects. But he, he still got to the rim. He still got fouled a ton. And people just didn't understand why. I know he's, he was just like a vet, you know? And people just, that's very hard to see how um, a team, um, how that will translate. Like, you know, if you're 6'6", why do you only need craft finishes to, you know? How is that going to translate to the NBA? Like, how is that going to work? So that was my issue with them, and that's clearly NBA team's issue with them. But I would have drafted him at 59, like, of course, because, you know, at some point you just can't deny that scoring ability and that upside. Um, so I, I, I would like him there. Um, I would like Josh Hall as well. He didn't play college. Um, he, he had a prep year, I'm a Ravian prep, I'm pretty sure. Um, six seven, good shooter, could score the ball. Um, you know, just I think that's just enough, honestly. Not like he could play okay uh, defense, and yeah, just he has some upside as just being more than a shooter. Like he has, like his his game is pretty advanced, and he's young. Like he's, um, I'm pretty sure he's like 19. So that that could have been a fun upside pick. Okay, well, it seems like we have the Raptors stuff kind of covered. Let's glean some insights from the, I guess, the NBA wide stuff. You addressed it, the Grizzlies pretty much covering every single maybe NBA draft slash blogger pick. The guys who are really popular on Twitter among the guys who watch a lot of games, yourself included, Tilly picked up, Tillman picked, Bain picked, Bain, who I really, really liked. And yeah, so which team impressed you the most during this draft? Uh, Philly for sure. I mean, you got, you got Maxi. you pretty sure you got Seth Curry. I mean, there's so many... I might not be completely accurate, so I'm sorry if I mess up, but because um, you know there's a lot of trades that happen. But I know they got um, they got Isaiah Joe as well. Uh, one more shooter, right? Like, yeah, Danny, Isaiah Joe, yeah, Curry, and uh, Maxi. I know all joined the roster today. That's a lot of shooting. And- yeah, and what did Philly need? Shooting, right? And yeah. with Isaiah Joe, he shot like 11 threes a game. He's a shooter. Maxi will be a good, sh- a good shooter to me. Seth Curry's, you know, Seth Curry. And <laughs> Danny Green could hit shots as well. He's streaky, but, you know, he could hit shots and he could defend. Uh, Maxi could defend. Isaiah Joe's a very good team defender and events creator that way. And Daryl Moore is doing a very good job. Um, I also just want to obviously shout out uh, the Grizzlies because they got. Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman, and they got Killian Tilly from um, the undrafted market. That's just like they're they're trying to make the playoffs, and those guys help you make the playoffs right away. Um, Mason think- Jones just signed a two way contract with the Houston Rockets, so <laughs> this is good, oh, man. Damn. Do you think uh, 
teams could sniff around the Grizzlies because they still have like Jonte Porter, Tilly, Tillman. Was it Gorgie Jang is still there? Valanciunas is still there. Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark. Like, are are all those guys going to hang on the roster? Do you think, or do you think teams could kind of wait around and you know snatch them up around? I guess presumably what would have been the summer league or something like that. But what do you think about that? I mean, I don't like. I, I don't know if Valanciunas is a long term piece or Jang uh, Gorgie uh, Jang. Sorry, hope. Um, I uh, said that right. Um, <laughs> but with Jonte, I mean, Jonte, I don't think Jonte is ever going to play. So I wouldn't really, uh, you know, I would, if, you know, Tilly is able to play, I would give him that spot over because I just think he's a better prospect as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like it just gives you a ton of versatility. Fun fact Jaron Jackson, the Michigan uh, and um, thing, uh, what's his name? Xavier Tillman. Um, they played together in at Michigan State, so that's uh, they got uh, reunited. So um, that's interesting. But yeah, I think it's a pretty uh, good draft. I don't think they won the draft or anything, but uh, definitely impressive to me. Did you have any surprises in the top ten? Because I know I know you don't like the term IQ, but Lamelo Ball, big feel player, and yeah. he goes third. Um, Ant Man, Anthony Edwards goes one. What were your thoughts on the top ten? Mm, the worst pick in the top ten was definitely at number ten, which was uh, Jalen Smith. Oh my god, Jalen Smith to the Suns, who's a five, but they they think I guess they think he's a power forward, and they're gonna play him next to um, DeAndre Ayton. It just doesn't make sense at all. Like just doesn't help Aiden. Uh, like the floor stretching is okay, but I would rather play the wing at the four than have Jalen Smith as a top 10 pick. I don't even think I, I'd even want him at 29, honestly. Like that's yeah. how I'm looking at him. Goggles though. He's got goggles. Yeah, and he, I guess. And he could shoot for a big. Yeah. Like, well, they went early on cam last year and they yeah. feel like that paid off. So maybe they think they're bulletproof, you know, like they just scoop whoever they want. Yeah, but if you're gonna go like early, go like like I would understand. Let's go get a Desmond Bain or something like that. Like you know, just someone that I know is gonna be good. Um, also want to talk about the 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 Celtics draft, which is pretty uh like at fourteen they got Aaron Neesmith, which is not a good pick to me. Like I I was scared that they they were gonna draft like a Maxi, uh, or something like that, and they just didn't. So I was like, thank God, because Aaron Neesmith is not uh the guy that people make him up to be uh 52% from 3 but he only played 13 games so it's very uh shaky how well the three point shooter he is and everything else is just bad like i don't want to talk bad about the guy but it's just not there even defense he's 67 and like literally built like a tank but just not a good defender at all and i uh, i like Tyrell tough. Terry as far as a like a shooter i thought he had the nicest stroke as far as guys who can, you know, shoot it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he's near the top five. I like Bain a lot, Joe a lot, um, Cashes, you know, guys like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Neesmith is pretty overrated, honestly, and I'm happy that they got him as like a rival because you know he doesn't scare me. And then at 26, Pritchard too, right? Yeah, yeah, like Pritchard, and then you draft Yama 
Yamadar, who's going to be better than him. So he kind of wastes your first round pick. So that's just funny to me. Um, Obi Toppin at eight, of course, are just bad. Um, I had belief in the Knicks. They let me down. Uh, like new front office, just same mindset, I guess. Just not a good fit at all. I mean, he's going to score. He might win rookie of the year, but not doesn't really move the needle at all to your rebuild. It actually just makes it worse. But yeah, um, my favorite picks, I want to end off a positive note. I like Isaac Crow at five a lot. Just makes complete sense. Um, Killian Hayes at, for the Pistons was good until they started like drafting like Sadiq Bay and like Isaiah Stewart right after. And um, Kyra Lewis is definitely my favorite. Kyra Lewis, uh, the Pelicans, that's yep. just an amazing fit. Like Kyra to Zion in transition. Oh, yeah, that's just disgusting. And Nikhil. I think uh, Kyra and Nikhil, they, uh, they're developing something interesting in the backcourt. I don't know if you like Nikhil, but to my eye, I think it's uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's interesting. I just I need to see more. Like yeah. He's pretty disappointed this year, but I just need to see more. But yeah. I think he's still part of that, part of them. But, but the, what did you say? Sorry. Uh, were you surprised at the lack of movement on the Raptors' behalf? Because if a guy like Maxi, obviously he did slip a little. Norm by himself. Norm plus twenty nine. Norm plus fifty nine. Obviously, Norm has been talked about as a trade chip for some time because he had such an explosive season off the bench and spot starting. Were you surprised that they didn't try to move up or didn't try to purchase a second-round pick or anything like that? Yeah, I was kind of disappointed, but not really surprised. I mean, if when Poku fell the lottery, I was like, God, come on, it's easy. Come on, just do it. You know, don't let him fall to 17. And, you know, they just didn't, they just, I guess they just didn't care enough to do it because it was, they could have easily done it, honestly. But, you know, Maxi too. Um, I mean, obviously not Killian because he won seven, and then Kyra because he won four, 13. But yeah, Maxi and Poku were probably gettable, and they just didn't. So I'm kind of disappointed in that regard because I just uh, wanted guys that could help this timeline and the future's timeline. And we got guys that can just help this year's timeline. It's not really the future, you know? Mm. Just going for the floor rather than the ceiling, which I think <laughs> is something that that's, if anything, Outside of the Kawhi trade, the Raptors, that would be the downfall of some of their decision-making is going for a high floor instead of a high ceiling. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm not a great fan of it, uh, you know, because I think people uh, take the development system for granted because at one point, all of those guys that are there are going to get hired by other teams. Like we've seen it with Phil Handy. He left and... Obviously, it's a big lo- loss. You know, we might not see it as like fans on the TV, but you know, behind the scenes, definitely a big loss. And that's just slowly going to happen each year because people are going to see. Well, people already know that the Raptors have a great development staff, so owners are going to know that they're going to pay those guys a lot more money, and we're not going to have like it's like the Spurs thing, right? The Spurs weren't like an elite development; they're not elite anymore, and that's because that happened. So it's like. Get as much young guys as you can in that development um, system and then get some all-stars. But uh, I don't know why we're not doing that. But, I mean, you know, that's just my opinion. That's how I look at it. So people can look at it different, but that's how I look at it. 
No, that's a that's a smart way to look at it because I think sometimes fans, journalists, writers, whoever take for granted the infrastructure of the team and the fact that other teams can just poach and pay guys and your infrastructure is not guaranteed. It doesn't stay forever. But before we let you get out of here, why don't you uh, tell us about some prospects to look forward to next year? I know you're really excited about next year's draft. Cade Cunningham, most of all, maybe. But uh, who should, if if anybody wants to kind of get into the draft, who should they start looking at? Yeah, so you said, like you said, Kate Cunningham. I'm just going to give a quick description of each player. Uh, sure. There's eight guys that I think could have franchise uh, potential upside. So that's really nice to hear after this year's draft. Um, Kate Cunningham, 6'7", point guard, built like a tank, uh, could shoot the ball, get, uh, get to the rim, amazing passer. And yeah, just gonna change a franchise. Easy with number one pick. You have BJ Boston who takes James Harden step backs, six seven. Amazing handle for his size. It shouldn't happen at uh, six seven. And also a good defender. You have Jonathan Kaminga, six eight. Uh, bullies everyone, and like he makes NBA sized uh, wings look like small kids next to him. Like he he's just gonna put a shoulder on you, and you're gonna blow blow away. And he's also a good pull up shooter. Uh, for his size and has a, a lead defensive upside. Um, you have a guy like Evan Mobley who's just seven foot, but like a freaking nature, uh, just moves super well, blocks a lot of shots. Um, had a disappointment, disappointing uh, senior year because he wasn't completely checked in because, you know, um, just senioritis. But still a very good prospect. You have um, Zaire Williams, elite pull-up shooter at 6'8". Uh, good defensive instincts, uh, has like creation ability, and yeah, just all these guys are gonna be really good, like really, really good, and uh, not guys that are like super safe, but all guys that like willing, they're like more than um, worth it to take a risk on to you know have that uh, ha- change in trajectory. Trying to find a cornerstone, and they offer that type of upside, which I guess. The, the consensus was not really available in this draft. Rebel, thank you so much for coming on, man. The floor is yours. Plug away. Tell the people what they should be watching, reading, whatever you like. All right. So I have a YouTube channel called Sub Me and Coach. Made a video about a lot of, a lot of the lottery prospects. I'll definitely be making a video about, um, you know, my favorite fits in this draft, uh, the losers in this draft, I guess. Like, just try to get as much NBA draft content out so you can continue to hear my opinions. And you can follow me at RoboTussin if you have any questions about Matt Flynn, Jim Harris, or whichever guy will sign in uh, the you drafted, I mean, in the undrafted market. You can just DM me anytime. I respond to everything. Um, don't be shy. And yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. Okay. And listener, for my part, couldn't co-sign Robel enough. I read his work. I watch his stuff as well. It's really high quality. He's really good at communicating sometimes complex terms that you know, some members of NBA draft Twitter don't bother communicating to guys or girls who uh, don't watch the game at a high level. He's really good at explaining it in those ways, making it you know bite-sized at times and going more in-depth at others. Couldn't co-sign his stuff enough. It's great. It's worth your time. So go seek it out. Robotussin on Twitter. Robel, thank you very much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate it, man. It was fun. Okay, listener, that's it for me, that's it for you, that's it for Robel. Whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, probably in the morning, it's pretty late right now, but have a blessed day and goodbye. Nobody builds 5G 
like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.